Today on the podcast, I'm continuing our series on end-of-the-year topics. This time of year, one of the things that many choir directors are doing is holding auditions for the following year's ensembles. And where there are auditions, there is usually drama. So today on the podcast, not only do I discuss six tips for reducing the drama surrounding choir auditions, but you can also get your own free copy of the auditions guidance document that I have used with my choir parents and singers so you can take it and tailor it to your needs. Let's get into it. Here we go. And welcome, my friends, to the Choir Director Corner podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host, Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. Well, as I said in the intro, for many choir directors, this is the time of year for auditions. And one of the worst parts of auditions is the drama that can surround that process. There are always going to be singers that are unhappy with the results. That's just the nature of the beast. But how they, and if you're dealing with younger singers, how their parents react can often make us choir directors miserable. Well, a number of years ago, I decided I was done with the drama. I decided to write a letter for parents and also a letter for students that outlined the audition and selection process from the perspective of the choir directors. I called it Auditions Guidance for Students and Parents. I figured I didn't really have anything to lose and best case scenario, students and parents would start to understand the perspective of the choir director a little bit better better of going through this process. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. That first year I sent the letter out and every year since I've hardly had any issues with auditions and the selection of our ensembles. I attribute much of this change to the fact that we emphasize in our letter that our auditions have very little to do with the students as a person and everything to do with their skill level. To us choir directors, that seems like a given, but we forget how singers, especially young singers, can be incredibly hard on themselves and very quick to take any sort of criticism, even constructive in nature, personally. So if you've had any issues with student or parent behavior in the past in regards to auditions, I would suggest you give writing an auditions guidance document a try. And today I am sharing with you my auditions guidance document that I have used with my choir parents and singers. It's actually two separate documents, as I mentioned, one for parents and a slightly shorter one for singers. And it is in Google Doc format. Now, it is in view-only format, so you simply make a copy of the document, and then you can modify, tweak it to fit your needs and your program. Now, to get your copy of this document, just head on over to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash auditions guidance, all one word, auditions guidance. Again, that's choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash auditions guidance. And I will be sure to put that link in the show notes for you. 
Now, whether you are creating your own auditions guidance document or you want to interact with your singers and your choir parents on a one-to-one basis, here are six tips that I would recommend for reducing the drama surrounding choir auditions. Tip number one, acknowledge that the audition process is a difficult and stressful one for singers and for you as well. Remind your singers how much you care about them and value them and how you only want the very best for them. Now, this can be done in a document. This can be done certainly on a one-to-one basis, but I think this is a great discussion to have with your ensemble as a whole before you even start the auditions talk about this, how it is a stressful uh, process, but it's stressful for you as well as for the singers, and that how you only have their best interests in mind when you're going through this process. Tip number two, give a description of some of the attributes that you consider when auditioning singers. What's the appropriate skill level, the vocal development of the singer, and the consistent regular day rehearsal performance of the singer. Again, this could be in a document, but this can also be in a discussion. And I think this discussion really helps to sort of temper expectations a little bit. Going into that process, singers have an idea already what you are imagining as far as what do you expect? What do you expect not only for the audition, but also on a regular basis? basis uh, as far as rehearsal etiquette and uh, performances and things like that. This can also be a great motivator as you go throughout the year to mention this to your singers. Be like, just as a reminder, these are the things that I am looking for uh, throughout the year when it gets to audition time. Are singers on time? Do, are they, do they come prepared? Do they have their parts learned? Is it evident that they have worked on music outside of rehearsal? Or are they really sort of just, you know, n- not doing any sort of preparation from rehearsal to rehearsal? These are all things that over the course of a year that you are looking at as far as accepting singers into an ensemble? You know, how dedicated are they? Um, What is their sort of investment into that ensemble? So you can use that on a continuous basis. And then you can also say, as far as the audition goes, here are the things that I am looking for. And again, it really helps to set the expectations for those singers going into those auditions, which can be a, an extremely helpful thing. Tip number three, and this one is related to the first one, reemphasize that you only want the best for your students. And sometimes that means that they may not get placed in the ensemble that they want. More importantly, the focus should be on placing singers in an ensemble at the appropriate skill level where they can be successful 
as well as challenged. Now, you can make a comparison here to a lot of different academic subjects. You know, take math, for instance. We wouldn't put a student that hasn't been successful at the pre-algebra level or maybe as successful as other students, we wouldn't put them in a calculus class. That would be silly. We want them to be successful, and that's not setting them up for success. Same thing with our ensembles, right? While it may be sort of the tough thing to take, we want to put them in an ensemble where they have the chance to learn, to be challenged, but also to be successful. And sometimes that may not be the exact ensemble that they want. And so that's a very important discussion to have with our singers, no matter what age they are. Tip number four, remind our singers that there are non-musical attributes that you are looking for as well. Similar to tip number two, right? Including a strong work ethic, a positive attitude, and an ability to work with others and problem solve. Now, if you're dealing with younger singers, this is important to communicate to parents as well. Because they may be thinking, well, Johnny or Sally, they sing great in the shower. I don't understand why they weren't selected for your top ensemble. And so getting into not only is it vocal technique, it's music literacy, it's all these other musical skills, but outside of these musical skills that we think about in being a part of an ensemble, there's also the team aspect, the collaborative aspect. And so getting to these, what some people would call soft skills, I think of them just as more as non-musical attributes, the work ethic, the positive positive attitude, the ability to work with others and problem solve, to collaborate in a positive way. Those are all really important things. Those are the kinds of singers that we want in our ensembles and particularly those top ensembles because if you've got singers with a poor attitude that aren't good working with others that make it all about them, that's going to make it a worse experience for everyone involved, for you, for them, for all of the other singers in the ensemble. So those are important things to point out that sometimes our singers, and if they're younger singers, our parents don't necessarily think about. So that's tip number four. Tip number five, remind them that you totally understand what it's like not being selected for an ensemble that you wanted. I have yet to meet a musician that got it on every single audition, whatever that it was, whether it was the, the ensemble or the solo or the part or the job. There's not one singer in the world that was successful in that way every single audition. And that this audition process is a great opportunity to learn about grit and perseverance. Now, the singers, they may say, well, I don't really care about grit. <laughs> I just care about making that ensemble. But, you know, communicating to them that this is a lifelong skill. Anytime we face adversity in our lives, it is not the failure that defines you. It's how you respond to the adversity that defines you. And you can either quit 
or you can redouble your efforts, work harder, and come through the situation better than what you were before. Now, I will use the example of a very good friend of mine in college. After their freshman year in choir, they were eligible to audition for the quote-unquote the top choir at our college. And so they auditioned and they weren't selected for that top ensemble. They were placed into another ensemble, primarily for sophomores in that college. And some of their friends moved on to that ensemble. And so they were very disappointed at first. But in the end, some of their closest friends are the friends that they made in that ensemble that sophomore year. And having that experience, it did. It motivated them. They redoubled their efforts. They had a better understanding of really what it took as far as the audition process and just singing an ensemble, what directors were looking for, for those quote-unquote higher ensembles. And then after their sophomore year, they auditioned again, and then they were placed into that top ensemble for their junior year and their senior year too. So this is a lifelong skill. You know, our quote unquote teaching moments, right? Use this as an opportunity. This is a great teaching moment, especially if we've got younger singers that we are working with. All right. Tip number six, last one, utilize the 24-hour rule. And I will preface this, if you can make this 48-hour rule, if you can make this 72-hour rule, do it. But a minimum of 24-hour rule. And here's how this works. Explain to your singers and to your parents too that your door is always open. And that students are welcome to come in and really you want the students, if you're dealing with younger singers or if you're a community choir, or church choir, you want to deal with that singer specifically. Your singers are welcome to come in and discuss with you how they can improve and they should do this in person. However, you will not have any discussions for a minimum of 24 hours. Again, if you can make that 48, great. If you can make that 72, even better. Prior to that, you'll only be dealing with singers who are reacting emotionally. And I bet you're nodding your head as I'm saying this, right? We've been there. They're reacting emotionally and not in a state of mind to truly listen to what you have to say. I would also, again, highly recommend that you meet in person rather than replying by email or by voicemail. Too much can get lost in the translation. You know, we lost in translation uh, as far as email and and, uh, you know, voicemail or things like that. Uh, Yes, too much context. We need to have as hard as it is. We need to have these conversations in person with our singers whenever possible. Okay, so if it, but if they do email you, simply you know uh, within that twenty four forty eight seventy two hours, 
be, and I would simply reply to them and say, I certainly understand how you feel. However, I'm going to stick to my 24, 48, 72 hour rule so that when we do have a conversation, it can be as productive of a conversation as possible. I want to give you valuable, constructive, helpful feedback. And I think we will be in a better place to have that conversation after that 72 hour period. Right. So don't ignore them, acknowledge them, email them, but say, I would like to meet in person. Please let me know when a good time is for you uh, after that 72 hour period. Right now, this works perfectly if you can work it so that you are announcing the audition results on a Friday. So then they have that rest of that Friday, that Saturday, that Sunday as a cooling off period. And then on that Monday, you can then open it up to having those conversations. That works really well. So again, 24 hours, definitely a minimum. If you can do 48, great. But 72 is really, I think, the best option here if you can swing it. And my experience is, and the reason why I've done this is, those conversations are so much more productive rather than doing something the day of or the next day or trying to explain yourself over email. Something always can get misconstrued. Do it in person and give them those 72 hours to cool off and give yourself the opportunity to really have that productive conversation. So whether you're having these conversations in person or you're putting out some sort of document to your singers, by using these six tips, you can show understanding, you can explain your perspective as a director, and you can show the true objective nature of your auditions. All of these things helping you do sort of a preemptive strike and avoid much of the drama that many times surrounds the choir audition process. Give these tips a try. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Well, that's it, my friends. The six tips for drama-free choir auditions. Now, this is the part where I'd love to hear from you. What's something you've done in regards to your choir auditions that has really helped to reduce the drama surrounding that whole process? Let me know. Send me an email at matt at choirdirectorcorner.com. Again, that's M-A-T-T at choirdirectorcorner.com. I will be sure to add any responses to our Facebook group, which you can find over at choirdirectorcornergroup.com. Well, my friends, that's it for today's episode. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Keep doing your thing. Keep being awesome, and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. Don't forget to check us out over on Facebook at www.choirdirectorcornergroup.com. Choir Director Corner Group.